0: It's time now for us to have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. And Vaughn, by the way, has covered 11. Is it today your 11th premier out of the 37 that we will have had?
1: This is 11 premiers and counting, David E.B. By the way, Keith Baldry's count is the same as mine, 11 premiers and counting. Uh, I've been here in Victoria almost 40 years. So that's one every four years. But as I said to one of E.B.'s predecessors, It's just an average, sir. It's not a prediction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although you would know because you have seen some stuff.
1: Yeah, well, some of them didn't even survive a year. So that's how averages work. We've had, I covered one that lasted 10 years too. So that's good. But yeah, there's a big day. Transition from Horgan to EB. uh, Nothing really quite like it, Simi, because John Horgan, I I feel like I should interview you on this because you did Horgan's last exit interview yesterday. But Horgan leaving... um, On his own terms, uh, much loved by the BC public, unmatchable. Uh, approval ratings of any of the other premiers I've covered this late in a term. So EB stepping into uh, very big shoes. Fortunately, he's a tall guy. So maybe he may be up to the challenge.
0: (laughs) I agree, especially when I saw, so yesterday, the crowd was a lot of CEOs, a lot of business people, not what you would say in years past would be your typical NDB crowd,
1: right? Incredible that the, and I know it wasn't exactly planned this way, but incredible that Horgan's last event is with the BC business community and they're generally favorable. I can tell you that previous NDP premiers, I mean, the business community was happy to see them go, but they weren't going to stage a tribute to them. So yeah. like this is this is really incredible what John Horgan accomplished in this province politically in terms of uh, unifying of the public view.
0: I agree. And that really struck me yesterday sitting there, Vaughn was, I was thinking the exact same thing because I thought that indicates to you how big the shoes are for David Eby to fill, but also tells you that really, and, and uh, Mr. Horgan made this reference too, and that British Columbia is essentially a province of the moderate kind of middle, right? Yes. You move a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, but really, there's a lot that British Columbians agree upon, and he kind of built all his time in office on that, and yes. everybody kind of felt like, oh, they could work with that.
1: Yes, and Horgan angered some members of his own party by by staying in the middle on issues. Uh, most notably, uh, you know, we, natural gas development, fracking, uh, LNG, um, Site C. You know, he he didn't give uh, the left of the party everything it wanted. He gave them a lot. Uh, But he also uh, stayed on track for provincial finances until the pandemic hit, and he stayed on track for economic growth. So that's important. Eby stepping into big shoes, though, Simi, the other thing is David Eby has raised expectations a lot all by himself. I mean, he's the one who said, 100 days of action coming. So presumably the clock starts on the 100 days today. And he's also promised very, very quick action, like hit-the-ground-running action on housing affordability, public safety, and health care. And we're expecting him to announce something on that today, and then when the House resumes on Monday to introduce legislation dealing with that.
0: Okay, and now he hasn't even announced his cabinet yet either. When does that happen? Uh,
1: he says he's been talking to uh, everybody in the caucus, it's all 56 uh, NDP MLAs, about the future. And uh, big surprise, they all want to be in cabinet, right? Yes, of course they do. And uh, that's a tough call for a premier because there's all kinds of things that have to be balanced and geography and gender and politics and experience and everything else. Uh, we're not going to know for another two and a half weeks his plans for that. there will be... Um, I think they've set December the 7th as the day, so Eby's, um, you know, the the action man is taking his time on some things. It's right. been four months since he announced for the leadership. It's been a full month since the party essentially said he's the only candidate, so he's the next leader. So uh, we'll see how, what quit, hit the ground running means today, but yes, expecting uh, an announcement, I think, on affordability today, and maybe some indication of what will be in the legislation that will be tabled in the House on Monday. Right,
0: and today the whole ceremony is happening at the Musqueam yeah. Community Centre.
1: Yeah, this is really important. So I gather, you'd know better than I would, that Horgan said yesterday that getting the UNDRIP legislation mm-hmm. through the B.C. House, one of his proudest accomplishments. Look, I, I, I think that's the farthest-reaching thing that Horgan has done because there's no going back from... British Columbia enacting legislation that recognizes the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. That It was a major move by Horgan to recognize it, to bring it in. And the other thing about it that's incredible is the legislation passed the House unanimously. So the opposition accepted that this is the way we need to go. There is no turning back from that. We don't know what all it means. It's still being worked out. But I think... In general, it means that British Columbia of the future, land use decisions, resource management decisions, social programming, pretty much everything will be pursued in consultation with the province's 200 recognized indigenous nations. So uh, we're moving into a new era here that we can't even see where it all leads yet.
0: Okay. That is the start of that today, too. But let's also talk about some of the healthcare um, aspects of this, too, because I was really surprised to hear that John Horgan had had offered himself up to mediate when yesterday all he talked about was retirement.
1: What is going on? John Horgan, you got to love the guy, yes. So he discloses yesterday that, you know, in his last week on the job, he wrote a letter to all the provincial premiers, and he was in Ottawa and announced this, too, uh, that, uh, yeah, he's offering to mediate the dispute between the provinces and the federal government over health care funding. Now, this is, you don't want to be too disrespectful to a guy who's leaving office and maybe bored, but... John Horgan spent 2 years leading the provincial position on healthcare funding. It was John Horgan's health minister, Adrian Dix, who at the recent national meetings rejected the last federal offer. So the guy who has had more to do with the provincial premier than almost uh, provincial position than almost anybody is now offering to mediate the dispute. Like does this happen? You know, does the BCTF go on strike and then offer to mediate its own dispute uh, with the B.C. government and the school districts? I I, I don't know. I mean, my reaction was, yeah, is, is he just bored? Does he really think that the federal side is going to trust him to mediate a dispute where he's crafted the provincial position?
0: I guess the difference here is that the relationship with the federal health minister is not great, but he did. And we thought he had a good relationship with the
1: prime minister. He thought he had a good relationship with the prime minister, but he never got any money out of him. I mean, it was it was very easy for the prime minister to uh, be nice to John Horgan on an issue on which he had no intention of moving, uh, which he did. The federal government didn't budge an inch on this provincial demand for. More funding for health care. I mean, Ottawa went ahead and did dental care and is working on pharmacare and transferred m- money with lots of strings attached to the provinces. But the idea of open ended, no strings attached, increase billions of dollars in health care funding has not been on for Ottawa and it still isn't. Hmm.
0: Okay, so that's going to be something for David Eby to take up. But has he talked about health care at all? He talked a lot about housing and other issues?
1: Yeah, he's he said the big three issues for him uh, are uh, health care, and that translates into the crisis with family doctors and what we're seeing right now in emergency wards. He said housing, which is his shorthand for affordability issues in general, and public safety. So, you know, again, uh, he was in charge of two of those issues when he was in cabinet up to the day that he announced he was stepping out of cabinet to seek the leadership. So that was July. That was four months ago. So he knows the files. But at the same time, you go, he's got to start showing action on those issues because to some degree he wears both of those issues. The public safety problem, the problem of repeat offenders, the problem of random attacks in the streets started under his watch as attorney general and the housing problem, he was in charge of housing for Uh, file for the last two years he made some progress but he was the guy who said we've got to get going on getting local government to expedite approval of housing development to address the shortage and address the affordability issues so uh, yeah I I think it's important that he does show action on them Um, be interesting to see what he does Simi uh, with the legislature next week because he says he's going to table legislation on Monday Uh, there's only four days left in the session Uh, To get legislation through the legislature in four days, you need a lot of cooperation from the opposition, or you need to extend the session, or you need to make the opposition an offer they can't refuse. So Mm -hmm. maybe we're looking at some kind of financial relief uh, on affordability, and the opposition would probably support that.
0: Hmm. Interesting times. Thank you, Vaughn.
1: Bye-bye, Cindy.